Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in His gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Hey, it's good to be back. Um, man, what a gift. Yeah, thanks. It's good to be back. Katie and I are so thankful for you all over this last year and so grateful to the elder team to give us the opportunity, give me the opportunity to study overseas and uh, just completed the third term and uh, I'm back. So we're back for good. Uh, I'll be working the next couple of years part-time for the rest of the degree, but that'll be from here in the state. So I may pop back across the pond a couple times. Maybe I'll visit Weston, um, and, uh, but, but we're just excited. Um, before we jump into the word and just sort of coming off of this beautiful child dedication, um, this is an interesting time, isn't it? I mean, it's been a crazy year and a half. The body is coming back together. You all are so bold to gather uh, in person, which is great. There's other folks in our body who, and those who are watching online, who maybe aren't there yet, and that's okay. There's lots of grace in this church for that. But, uh, what I wanted just to share, and David and Jenna and I talked a little bit this week, um, is just a little bit about a vision for our children and our students. And as we are coming back into this season, as we're gathering back together, I mean, you guys have been gathering together this is our first Sunday back, um, really before, you know, over the last uh, few months we have been away. Um, but we just wanted to, as a team, say how dedicated we are to raising up the next generation. Um, David said it, the youngsters, the children among this body are the emerging generation. The students, the youth, the teenagers are an emerging generation. And we are so committed in this next season to pouring into them, to pouring into parents who will disciple them, and to pouring into these students and into youth. And we're excited about that. We're in a little bit of a rebuilding phase here. And so what I want to do is be so bold as to ask you to prayerfully consider something, then we're just going to take some time as a church here to pray. And if you're visiting, if you're not here, you're not even a a Christian, this is a great moment to look into what it means to be a church family together. A couple things just practically want to talk about here. Uh, Jenna has done a fabulous job as our Children of Hope director. She has crushed it. Uh, Can we just thank God for her? She's amazing. And we're a body that lives on mission. She feels called to go back into nursing to be a witness, a light of the gospel there. So we've been looking, you all may know, we've been looking for a new Children of Hope director. We had a, a wonderful candidate, and for a number of reasons, that didn't work out. Um, so that position is still open, and Jenna's last day is the end of June. So we have a, an immediate need of somebody to step in, even if it's interim, to help out with coordinating the volunteers. So if that's something that's on your heart, we would love for you to consider that. But if you're here and you have a heart for children, you would be interested in that position, um, we would love to talk with you, and you can just reach out to us and let us know. Um, But secondly, as we are gathering again as a body, we have a number of parents who aren't yet coming to the gatherings. We're getting our rooms back. We're planning to move back to two gatherings through the summer into the fall, likely. And we are in need of the body to come together to serve our children. So if you're part of this body, if you're here, you're just visiting, you're not part of Downtown Hope, hey, just listen in. But if, if Downtown Hope is your church home, I'm not talking to you as a parent or a person who's not a parent. I'm talking to you as the body here. And what we want you to pray about is volunteering or teaching with us. I don't care if you have kids or not. 
Um, I don't care what stage of life you're in. This is a moment in the story of our church where we get to, and we can hear it all around us, <laughs> where we get to serve the next generation. We're going to be getting some things off the ground with students through the summer. It's going to be amazing. The Lord is going to use the children and the students in this body to reach a generation for Christ but it requires us to equip and train. So the great news is we've been making this ask, as you all know, we have 12 teachers that we need. It's over 50%, which is a huge gift. So the Lord's already inspiring some of your hearts to do that. We need five teachers. A teacher is someone who says, I want to actually disciple kids on Sunday morning. You're going to be at one of the two gatherings, and you're going to pour into a group of, of children for the next season. You know, give us from now until the end of the year, as we're sort of in this rebuilding season. And then we have about 10 out of 30 volunteers. A volunteer is just a helper. You don't have to have any skills. You just have to be there to assist a teacher. You just have to, just a warm body in the room to do crowd management. <laughs> 10 out of 30 we have, which is awesome. Again, the Lord's providing. So we need about 30-ish volunteers. If a third of the room in here said, I'm in, we would be good to go for the next season here. And that would just be serving as a volunteer one time a month. So... Um, what I want to do is just make that ask, ask you to pray about it. There's a card in front of you. You can fill that out and put it in the box. You can give it to me or David, anybody on the team. You can email us this week. Um, Jenna and Shannon and Jacob have filled in gaps over the last few months. Again, it's a weird season getting back up to speed and, and, and the body gathering back together. We're so thankful that they filled in gaps, but it's not healthy or good for them when we have these holes for them just to keep plugging it in. So we really do need the body to step up. So what I want to do is just pray for that real quick. Um, if you would just turn to the people around you, maybe the person you, if you don't feel comfortable praying out loud, that's okay. You can just let the other person around you pray or just pray in silent. But we just want to spend a few minutes here because the Lord is ultimately the one who provides everything we need for, we want to pray for our children, for emerging generations, and we want to pray for the Lord to provide. So uh, I'll just open us, and then we'll take about a minute or two. Feel free to pray, you know, together, and then I'll close us out. Sound good? All right, thanks. Father, thank you so much for uh, this time. We just want to pray as a body um, for the precious children among us, um, the precious uh, young <laughs> tweens and teenagers among us. Lord, the emerging generation, we're, we're going into Deuteronomy and it's a, it's a picture of you speaking through Moses to the emerging generation. And we're excited to see what you do in this next season. So let's just take a few moments here and next to, with one another just to pray for our students and pray for the emerging generation. Well, Father, thank you that you provide everything we could ever need, and you love this body. You've called us together on mission for your glory, Lord, that we would be transformed by the gospel for the sake of our city and our world, and we ask that you would provide everything we need in this next season. Lord, we pray for all the parents across our body, those who are gathered here, those who are gathered online, 
Lord, that you would equip, encourage, strengthen them. We pray for every child in this church. We pray for every teenager in this church, Lord, that your spirit would pour out and we would see a movement among youth for your name's sake, Lord Jesus. May that unfold in our city, in our county, in this next season. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, before we jump in the word, why don't you stand, say hello to those around you, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive in in just a minute here. Morning. Hey, Joey. Great to see Joe Will. Will, good to have you. Yeah. Have you been in the mix for a little while here? I stayed at your place. Oh my goodness. <laughs> did we so did much, I have, did we ever have we ever met in We met one time like a year ago when I came and visited, so that's why I did Love it. Also I had hair back then. So. Love it. Hey, great to see you. Yeah. And All right, you can go ahead and grab a seat. All right. We haven't done this in a while. Everybody's talking, and it's a great problem to have. It's a great problem to have. So there was this child born who was rescued by a pharaoh in Egypt, and one day as he grew up, he saw uh, a fellow uh, sojourner of his, someone from his own, of his own people being beaten up by an Egyptian, and uh, this, this boy who was adopted by a pharaoh ended up murdering this Egyptian. He fled to the wilderness where he met the Lord in a burning bush, and the Lord sent him back to Egypt and used him to liberate his people from slavery in order to bring them into a land that was promised long ago. And they came out of slavery in Egypt and they were given a new ethical code to live by, a new law to live under the loving protection and guidance of their God, their Lord. It was to set them apart from the nations around them. They were to be a a people, a, a family, a nation that were called out but they disobeyed, they, they ran away, they went their own way, and they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. That's what we walked through last summer, if you were with us. And even 
their leader rebelled and he was unable to enter into this land that had been promised. And it's here on the plains of Moab, the sun is setting on 40 painful years. And Israel, this nation, their emerging generation are sitting at the feet of their frail, broken leader. His name is Moses. And they listen with anticipation and they're looking to the sunrise of a new day. They're on what we might call the precipice of a promise. They're on the edge. They're looking out into a land and a future that God had spoken to them long ago, but there is all kinds of trepidation and fear filling their hearts in this moment. And it's here that we read in Deuteronomy chapter one, verse one, these are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan, the wilderness. In the Arabah, opposite Suf, beyond Paran and Topol, Laban, Hazaroth, and Dizahab. It is 11 days journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Benaria. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all the Lord had given him in commandment to them. After he had defeated Shion, the king of Amor- the Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Ashtaroth, and in Edrei, beyond the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all the neighbors in the Arabah and in the hill country and in the lowland and in the Negeb and by the seacoast and the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give to them and their offspring after them. And this is God's word. Let's pray. Father, as we open up this incredible account inspired by your spirit, penned down by Moses so many years ago, the book of Deuteronomy, we ask that this summer and the next several weeks as we soak in it, as we read it, Lord, that your spirit would encourage us, would convict us, would call us further out and further into you, Lord Jesus, that we would be a people who would be set apart, Lord, that we would be a people who would step into the promise that you have for us generally and in each of our lives. Lord, thank you for this wonderful book, and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. So Deuteronomy is written by Moses. Uh, we know this from chapter 31, 9 uh, and verse 24. Uh, Moses is told to write down this law. 
Uh, we know that it's written by Moses because the rest of the scripture affirms it. That's one way we know that scripture is scripture because the rest of the scripture speaks to it. So in Joshua, in 1 Kings, in Malachi, Jesus speaks of this in the Gospel of Matthew. Paul speaks of Deuteronomy in the book of Romans. And so we know it's, this is the inspired word of God. We can receive it that way. We can receive it as authority in our life is the conclusion of the Torah, which are the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, uh, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. Um, it's the fifth installation here. And you might say it's a, it's a general summary of books two, three, four of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. There's a recapping that we're going to find in this book. Exodus begin, or, uh, you know, ex, the book of Exodus begins with Moses' birth, and Deuteronomy ends with Moses' death. It was written around 1406 BC. Uh, the name Deuteronomy means Deutero, which is second, anomy, reading, or um, a, a body of knowledge. And that was actually taken from a version of Deuteronomy, the Greek version, the Septuagint. The way that the book is known in the Jewish tradition is by the very beginning of what we just read in verse one. It's known as the words. It's not actually known as second reading or second law, but actually as the words, which I think is a, actually a, a, a more appropriate name for what unfolds in the book of Deuteronomy. The setting is the plains of Moab. Uh, here's a slide, a picture where you see um, in the top right of the Dead Sea there, northeast, uh, is where the plains of Moab are, and they're looking out over to Canaan. They're looking out. It's actually, they're in a little bit of a valley here uh, is the setting. Uh, Deuteronomy is three sermons, two poems over 34 chapters, and we are taking it on as a church this summer, and you probably already got into it uh, this week with the daily. The readings are long. Uh, We tend to do that with narrative uh, uh, passages of scripture, and we want to encourage you, read through it all. Read through it every day. Let it soak into your life. I know it's sometimes Old Testament books are a little bit obscure. It's a little bit hard to access them. Read it. Ask questions. Get connected in a community. Reach out to us. We just want to really sit and soak in the truth of this word over this summer. Uh, Deuteronomy fo- uh, follows uh, a pattern of near uh, ancient Near Eastern treaty. So the, you have a historical prologue. You have uh, stipulations. You have blessings and curses and clauses. So uh, like most books of the Bible, what the Holy Spirit is inspiring through the author is to understand the culture around them. And they're really writing in a time and a place as imperfect humans but uh, penning down, inspired by the Holy Spirit, the perfect word of God. And it's here, a little background there, it's here that the nation is brought to what we might call a precipice, a precipice. And that's the title of this series. In fact, you We'll see on the other side of this wall here, Grace Doolin, who is on point for communications with our church, did a wonderful job with the artwork in this. Um, And she actually named this series, Precipice of Promise. I think it captures beautifully the heart of Deuteronomy. And there's more on the wall. You can read about that and also on our website. And a precipice, what is a precipice? A precipice is that edge, the edge of a cliff, that place where you're looking out. And some of us are in that place this morning. Some of us have been in this place in this last season of life, a place of uncertainty, not quite sure what's coming next. For some of us, the precipice is a place of of pain and frustration. There's a lot of hurt 
understandably, that many of us have experienced and are going through. And some of us are standing on the edge of the precipice, and we are incredibly fearful in this moment. We're looking down, if you've ever stood on the edge of a precipice, and you're looking down into that valley, and you're like, that is scary. I could fall off this cliff. I don't know what's down there. I'm really afraid. Maybe you've experienced that over this last season. Maybe you're experiencing that this morning. We've all been through a year and a half in a way of wandering. The nation had been through 40 years of wandering. And the question for us this morning as we step into Deuteronomy is what do we need most when we find ourselves in the precipice of life? What do you need and what do I need most when we are there in that place on that edge? What is the thing that we need most? A couple weeks ago, uh, we were in the UK and I had a chance to visit my sister and brother-in-law who live in a town called Cheltenham. And Cheltenham has this wonderful uh, hill, not quite a mountain, but it's kind of a hill mountain. And we're standing at the top of it and we're looking out and I'm just looking down. I'm on the edge. (laughs) And apparently I've become scared of heights in my 41 years of life because I'm feeling a little scared. And then I see one of my sons who's right on the edge. And Katie looks at me like, are you a little scared here? I'm like, yeah, I am feeling a little bit scared here because I'm looking down and I'm not quite sure what could happen to my son. I'm I'm feeling fearful. And what did my son need in that moment? What did he need? He needed to hear a voice. Because it's in, these, it's in these places of precipice that we are desperate to know what's next. We're desperate. We're like, what is coming? I don't know. All I can see is down this scary slope. And we need to hear a voice. And the question as a body this morning and the question for us of this next season is what voice will we listen to? Because in a COVID-impacted world, out of our fear and out of our pain, there is a magnetic temptation to listen to an array of toxic voices and narratives that would divide us from one another. But there is one voice that my son needed to hear in that moment on that hill in Cheltenham. And there is one voice that we need to hear this morning and in this next season. He needed to hear the voice of his father who could establish him on firm ground and help him to see not just what is scary below him, but to look out to the vista of the promise that is before him. That he wouldn't be consumed by the fear around him, but he would see that he is standing on firm ground in his father's love. What do we need when we are on a precipice? We need to hear the Lord's voice. We need to hear the voice of our heavenly father. We need to hear his words over us. And this is exactly what the Lord gives to the nation of Israel in this moment. In verse one, in verse three, in verse five, this is how he's kicking off this entire message. What does he say? These are the words, words, that Moses spoke to Israel beyond the Jordan. Verse one, verse three, in the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel. And what did he speak? According to all that the Lord had given them in commandment to them. 
And then verse 5, beyond the Jordan in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law. You see, the Lord knew that the nation who had been wandering for 40 years needed to hear the voice of the Lord so clearly. We need to hear our Heavenly Father's words over us. We need the Lord to explain or to expound his vision, his words, his truth over us. Not just to repeat it, but to drive it into our hearts. That's what this word in verse five means, to explain. It's not just to uh, you know, explain logically, but it's actually to preach. It's actually to drive home into the hearts of the people. That's what we need. Not just more information, but for that information to seep into our bloodstream, to get deep inside of us. And how does the Lord speak to us? I mean, how will he speak to you and to me and to us as a church in this next season? And this is where this passage is such. How does the Lord speak? Look at verse one. He speaks through sometimes the most unlikely vessels. Think about Moses. A man who had rebelled in his own heart, a man who would not himself enter into the promised land. And yet, the story is God uses him to speak the words of truth over the nation. I mean, in this season, you might find that the Lord will use the most unusual people and the most unusual vessels to speak truth, to affirm truth in your life. Secondly, what we find, how does the Lord speak? He speaks in the most unlikely of places. Think about where they are. I mean, they are on a precipice. They are on the edge. They are in a place of, 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 of you know, it's scary. What does this, we've wandered for 40 years. How do we know we're going to get into the land? And yet here in this place of uncertainty, in this wilderness, okay, beyond the Jordan is repeated here a few times in these first eight verses. That's a way of the Lord through Moses saying, you have not arrived yet. You're not in the promised land yet. You're still in the wilderness. And yet this is the point and the place where God speaks. Not where they're settled it's a rocky region with little vegetation. That's the desert, okay? The Jordan Valley here, the plains of Moab. And how does the Lord speak? Through the most unlikely vessel, uh, through the un- most unlikely places, and through the un- most unlikely timing. This is the 40th year on the first day of the 11th month. Now, Part of what Moses is driving home here, if you notice, uh, verse 2, it's 11 days journey from Horeb to the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Benera. What basically Moses is saying here is, it really should have taken 11 days for us to get here. But we've been wandering for 40 years. Okay. The timing is sometimes backwards in how and when the Lord speaks to us. And yet he's faithful to speak. And probably the most profound, one of the most profound characteristics of Deuteronomy as we read through and as we see is that there are many ways that the Lord is described and he's always described in one of these ways. The Lord, your God. The Lord, our God. The Lord, the God of your fathers. It's a way of saying that this God is not detached and impersonal, but he is close and near and intimate. And he wants to speak. He wants to remind us of his words in a personal and intimate way. We have to hear the voice of our Lord who is personal. And for us, then becomes not just how does the Lord speak, 
But what does the Lord speak? What does he say? What is he going to say to us through Deuteronomy? And there's three basic movements in Deuteronomy. And we're just, we're just walking through these at a very high level this morning because over the next seven weeks, we're going to be walking through them in more details. We're reading through this in the daily. There's three major movements in Deuteronomy. Okay? There's a call to reflection. There's a call to recount. And there's a call to respond. In the first four chapters of Deuteronomy, what we've been reading this last week, really it's chapter 1 through chapter 4, verse 43, there is a call to reflection. The way that the Lord speaks to us oftentimes begins with looking backwards. And not just looking backwards to the pain and the problems that we've had, though that's a part of it, but it's looking backwards to recount or to reflect upon how faithful God has been in those seasons, okay? This is, this is, this is verse six. You've stayed in the mountain long enough. Moses, in these first four chapters, you, we, we found, and we're gonna find, and, and Isaac's gonna hit on this a little bit next Sunday, is a reflection, a reflection back on where the nation has come from. What are the points of pain? What are the points of heartache? What are the challenges they face? Reflection is such a vital part of formation in Christ, and not just reflecting again on the things, but to actually see what has God done in those seasons? How has he showed up to be faithful? The second movement of Deuteronomy is chapters 5 to 26, and it's the bulk of Deuteronomy. It's the main center section, and it's a call to recount. And this is where Deuteronomy really, uh, the Septuagint reading of it gets its name, second reading, because what Moses is doing is recapping and expounding upon much of the law that was given in Leviticus. And this is a way of the Lord saying to the nation, listen, I have called you to live in a particular place and in a particular way in the land you find yourself. I want you to know who I've called you to be as a people. And during these chapters, we're going to find there are some really messy and difficult passages. Um, Passages about the Lord commanding the people to destroy other nations. There's obscure laws. And you might be reading this. You're like, how does this relate to the 21st century? Ask those questions. Let's process those things together. There's great answers to those questions as we seek and as we read God's word together. But there's a sec- the second movement is there's a call to recount the law. There's a call to recount who God has called us to be as a people. And we have to reorient ourselves back to his word, back to who he's called us to be. And then finally in chapters 27 to 34, this is where the poetry comes in a bit. There's a call to respond. There's a call to respond in obedience to the Lord. That's chapter 26 and uh, chapter 27. To keep the whole command that I commanded you today. There's so much in this book that's about obedience to Christ, obedience to the Lord. For us as Christians in the 21st century, our obedience to the Lord is our obedience to Christ. And this last place, a a call to respond is on that precipice. It's a place of trust. It's a place to action. It's it's verse, uh, it's it's this idea of of verse seven that uh, the land is set before you. Turn and take your journey. That's what the Lord is calling us to as a church family in this next season. Some of us here have been wandering And instead of hearing the Lord's voice, we've been listening to alternative voices. Probably the main voice that all of us listen to is what we might call our internal voice. It's not to say that our feelings don't matter. They certainly do. Um, 
They're a great thermometer, but they're not a great thermostat. It's not how you set your life. We set our lives through the voice of God who speaks to us by his spirit through his word. And our feelings, though they show us things and they reveal things, they're not what we live our by. And in this season, in all the turmoil that we've been through as a nation, as a people, as a church, it's very easy to turn inward and focus on me, myself, and what's best for me. And what Deuteronomy calls us to at this precipice is to look beyond, to see what the Lord has before us. It's easy to fall into and listen to the voice of the cynic. It's easy to fall into, listen to the voice of the victim. It's easy to fall into, listen to the voice of the prevailing culture. The enemy would want us to hear and listen to every voice but the voice of our heavenly father. And we as a body have an opportunity, have a gift in this next season to say we're not gonna listen to those other voices. We're gonna listen to our king. We're gonna be led by the spirit of Jesus. We're gonna follow him into this next season. And so there I was on the hill at Cheltenham, on the edge of this precipice, looking down and I'm freaking out a little bit because again, being on the edge of something is scary. It's a real thing. It's a place of risk. It's a place of volatility. But a precipice is also a place of breathtaking beauty. Because if you look up and you look out, you see a view. And you see a view that is so beautiful and so riveting that it evaporates the fear and the hardness of your heart. Because on the precipice, we don't just need to hear the Lord's voice, but what we also need to do is see the Lord. See, Moses, as a leader, (laughs) he failed. He's going to die at the end of Deuteronomy. I mean, that's how the book closes. It's not a great conclusion to it, but it's actually a powerful conclusion to it. But all of Deuteronomy, and each week we're going to see this, points to what Deuteronomy 18:15 says, "The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you from your brothers, to him you shall listen." How do we see the Lord? Isn't that, I mean, like the Lord is invisible. How do we see him? And what we know from scripture is that we see in Jesus, the Lord. In the face of Christ, we see our God. And the entire book of Deuteronomy points us to our inhabitation of an ultimate promised land and points us to an ultimate leader, one who is greater than Moses, Jesus. There is no leader on this planet that can heal your hurt. There is no friend on this earth who can heal your pain. God will use them as an instrument to be an encouragement, but they're sinners just like you. There's no spouse that can meet every single need in your life to make you whole. The only person that can do that is Jesus, who is the Christ. That's the point of the scripture. Everything points to him. And to the extent that we see him, and to the extent that we're enamored by him, and to the extent that we're wrapped up in his love, is to the extent that our hearts in that moment on the precipice are not just looking down and being paralyzed by the fear, but we're looking out and being enamored by the promise. Hebrews 3 and 4, if you've read it, 
talks about Jesus actually being greater than Moses. I love how uh, Hebrews, 3, uh, chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says it this way, Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, who you share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses was also faithful to God's house, Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. Now Moses was faithful in all of God's house as a servant to testify to the things to be spoken later, but Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast to our confidence and our boasting and our hope. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and this is you know, the writer of Hebrews speaking directly to the context of Deuteronomy, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. On the precipice of promise, do not listen to the voice of another. See Jesus. The invisible God becomes visible. This is what Hebrews 4 says. Since then we have such a great high priest, far superior than any pastor, any leader, Moses himself, We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, because that's where all of us are ongoingly, right? Are you with me here? And yet he was without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace of help in times of need. You see, our entire life is lived on this. Whether it's a small one or a big one, it's going to ebb and flow. Every single day, you're brought to the edge. And the tragedy of the story of Deuteronomy is that Israel never actually fully achieves the land of promise. They get into parts of it, even to this day. Israel has never occupied the full land laid out. And you're like, well, that's a bad story. It's actually a beautiful story because it shows us that we can't do it on our own and it shows us that the voices around us that we might listen to are going to let us down and it points us to the voice of the one who we want to listen to and this is the radical news of the gospel a precipice in the connotation of the word it's an anticipated place of failure but a precipice of promise is absolutely a place of failure. It's a failure into the lavish grace of forgiveness of God. That's the radical news of the gospel. We are certain to fail, but we fail into grace. No matter how much you fail, no matter how much you fall, God is faithful to catch you and love you and accept you. This is good news for us. It means we can look out and trust that he is going to lead us into an ultimate promised land. And here, now, even in the painful landscape we find ourselves in, he's going to be faithful. He's going to meet you. You're going to mess up. 
you're gonna sin. If you're not a Christian here, I wanna tell you this is the difference between religion and Christianity. You may not have heard it before, but religion says you have to work yourself to God. You have to make sure you steady yourself. You have to listen to voices of others. You have to listen to your own voice and you have to make sure you are secure and safe on the edge of that precipice. The gospel says something different. You will fail, you will fall. There's no doubt about it. It's in your very nature, but God has sent his son in love to die on your behalf, that you might be forgiven and free. And so when you fall, you fall into his grace, you fall into his mercy, and there's nothing that can separate you from it. So I wanna invite the musicians up and just spend a, a minute here processing with you together. I'm gonna put a question on the screen here and just want you to take a moment to reflect upon it. What is the precipice you find yourself on today. Would you just take a minute to think about that in your life? What, where are you on the edge? Where are you looking down and you're scared, you're, you're anxious, you're discontent, you're frustrated, you're hurt? What is the edge that you stand on today? Just wanna give, you, give us a minute to process that question. And the message of Deuteronomy is there's a really simple step that we get to take. And that is to put ourselves in a posture where we can hear his voice. So what would that look like for you this week? What does it look like for you to create space in your life where the Lord your God can speak the truth of his gospel over your heart. I want you to take a moment here and think practically about this because you're not gonna actually do it unless you come up with a plan. It's part of how we're wired as human beings. It's not a workspace thing, it's just there has to be a plan involved. What does that look like for you? Maybe you're in this place and you're just daily abiding in Christ, listening to his voice. Ask the Spirit of God, what does that look like? Is it waking up in the morning early, sitting at his feet, opening up his word? Is it having a conversation with a friend or your spouse? You have questions about God, you don't know, you haven't necessarily even believed the gospel and you have questions about who God is, who is Jesus? Maybe that's your step. Maybe there's a, there's, on this precipice, there's major sin or major thing in your life that you need to go to a brother or a sister and just confess this week. It's gonna be really hard to hear his voice with clarity if there's this big thing in your life that just needs to be talked about first. You can do that because of his grace. I'd like to just pray for us as we think about this and then we get to come to the table this morning to partake. Father, we thank you that you are a God who speaks from the beginning of this book to the end. It's a story of a God 
the God of the universe, the Lord, our God, who intimately wants to speak to us. And we want, to, we want you to silence the voices, the other voices in our heads, the other voices around us. And we want to hear from you with absolute clarity. And I pray that for my friends in this room this morning, whether they've been walking with you for many years or whether they have, are just asking questions about you, that you this week would speak, speak over them, speak over us as a church, speak to our hearts, And Lord, we thank you that you are a God whose voice we can hear. So Holy Spirit, would you have your way in us in this next season? Bring us into deeper sense of unity and love for one another, for your gospel, and for the vision you have for our city and our world. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.